Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. All right, that's what I want to do. I want all the mothers to stand up. We're going to recognize the oldest mother. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. We're going to have you shout out your ages, and then the younger you are, you sit down. I grew up in, how many of you grew up in a church where you did youngest mother, oldest mother, uh, mother with the most kids there at the, that, but that, you know, that becomes a pit of controversy at some churches. Is it the one with the most kids there? Well, I've got more kids, just some of them live in California, and, and uh, they had a church fight over that in a couple churches, and churches split, so that's why churches quit doing that. I'm just kidding, but, I'm, I, but that is controversy at some places, but really are glad that you're here on Mother's Day. If you drove home to surprise your mother, you're just like the favorite child now. I see Eric Wilson over there. He surprised his mom, favorite son now. Um, Actually, Eric, you're not the favorite son because your brother has kids, so he will be the favorite son until you have kids of your own. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> Sorry about that. But hey, glad y'all, so glad y'all are here. Glad all of you are here today. We're continuing our series of messages that we started last week on the book of Psalms. And, and like I told you last week, we're, we're only doing this for five weeks, so obviously we're not going to cover every Psalm. There's 150 of them, uh, but we're going to cover five of them. And and, uh, and just to remind you, uh, just a little education stuff that we talked about last year. The book is Psalms because there are 150 of them. But if you're speaking of one, you say, like today we're going to be in Psalm 127. So I don't say Psalms 127. I say Psalm 127. It's just like Walmart is not Walmarts. It's Walmart. But again, we, we reserve the right to call belts belts because belt just sounds stupid. So just to remind you about that, but it is, today we're in Psalm 127, so if you want to go ahead and find that if on your phone or if you've got a Bible with pages in it like we all grew up with, Psalm 127, Psalms, the book of Psalms is right in the middle of your, of your Bible there and it's pretty easy to find. Well, um, I was thinking about this, this message today and, and uh, th- this one word kept coming to mind as I read this Psalm and so it's what we're going to talk about today and that word is purpose. And, uh, and I don't know how many of you remember this, probably a lot of you do, we, we kind of did this here at our church, but back in 2002, Rick Warren, who's the pastor of a gigantic church out in California called Saddleback Community Church, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life, and, and a lot of you read that, and we, we did that in life groups here, and uh, we went through that together as a church. And that, that book was just this worldwide phenomenon, in fact, it sold uh, 30 million copies in the first five years that it was published. It was just unbelievable. And uh, it's the second most translated book in the world behind the Bible. That, that's how big time it was. And, and uh, I think one of the reasons why that book was so popular and, and, and took off so much, other than the fact that I, I believe God blessed that and, and used it, but I think one of the other reasons is, is that purpose is something that we're all searching for as human beings. Even though sometimes we can't, put our finger on it and we can't really put it into words we need to know our purpose we need to know the purpose for why we're here we need to know the purpose for why we do things Uh, if if you know your purpose at work you're a much better employee than if you feel like you're just there collecting a paycheck purpose is important but one of the things about us as, as human beings and especially in the culture that we live in is that purpose sometimes is not on our mind but I tell you what we do really well is we do activity and so we might not be thinking about purpose, but we think about filling up our lives with activities. 
In fact, if, if you think about your life, sometimes you feel like you're just going from appointment to meeting to graduation to party to project to errands to just one thing after another. And the next thing you know, you look at your calendar and you look back on your weekend or your week or your month or your year and you realize, I don't know where all this time's gone, but I've been busy the whole time. I can't really tell you what I've done, but I've been really busy at doing it. And because we do activities really well. And the thing about activities are, is that the more activities you have, they breed more activities. So you have this one thing, and okay, now I'll do that one. Because I did that, now I've got five other things to do that that activity gave birth to. And so the next thing we know, we're just busy, busy, busy. And we're not really taking any time to think about who we are. Why am I doing this kind of stuff? What really is my purpose? And, and one of the things that we're going to talk about today that, that I think we can learn through reading this psalm is that a bunch of activity without purpose, uh, it, it, it's going to leave us feeling worthless. It's, gonna, it's going to leave us feeling empty. Activity without purpose always leaves us empty. And, and the thing is, when, when it comes to activities, we will be happy being busy doing certain activities. And, and we'll be happy with that thing and working as hard as we can right up until the moment we're not. For, and, I, and here's an example. Um, there, I, I've done this before with television shows, and this it doesn't matter with a television show, but, but that's the example. Uh, I've done it with television shows. I'll be watching one, and, and I'll be really into it, and like, man, I love this. I love the characters, and I'll, I'll go on Netflix and want to watch all of it. And then there was one television show I was watching, and I was so ready to watch the next one. And then one day I was watching, and I realized, I don't care about any of these people on this screen, and I, I, I don't care what happens to them. So I quit watching it. But I loved it right up until the minute that I didn't, which is okay with a television show, but it's bad if that happens in your job or your marriage or raising your kids, where it's like activity, I love it, I love it, I love it, and then all of a sudden, I, I don't like this anymore. And that happens when we don't really know the purpose behind what we're doing. You can, you can be just as happy as you are in a marriage and then all of a sudden lose it when you're not really thinking about what is the purpose of this marriage? What, who's guiding this thing? And I want you to know today that you do have a purpose. You do have a purpose, and we're going to talk about that. You have a purpose and, and it's very important for you to know where that purpose comes from and what it's all wrapped up in. And, and so today we're going to look at Psalm 127. And, and, uh, and, and Psalm 127 was written by a guy who knew about having stuff. It was written by King Solomon. Now King Solomon was the, the son of King David. He was the third king of Israel. And King Solomon had, uh, he had there, there are three things that all men want. Ladies, I'm going to clue you in in case you didn't know this. There are three things that all men want. They want money, they want power, and they want women. That's the three things all men want. We, that's the things that will keep us happy, money, power, and women. And Solomon had unlimited supplies of all three. He had more money than anyone has, had ever had, and probably maybe anyone has ever had since. He had more women than anybody can handle, and he had more power than, than anyone should be given. He had all three of those, but the thing that Solomon learned once he got everything that he thought would make him happy, as he learned that having those things without understanding the purpose behind them, it left him empty. In fact, he wrote a, a whole book called the book of Ecclesiastes. You can read that in, in the Old Testament. And he talked about vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He's talking about the fact that I'm working so hard, I've got all this stuff, and it's all amounting to nothing. And he, and he wrote this psalm here, 127. And, and uh, he wrote this during the time 
that the, the temple was being built in the nation of Israel. Now, let me give you just a little bit of history. Israel was, was this country that, that um, had, had began with Abraham, and, and they they'd, uh, ended up in Egypt because of a famine, and they stayed in Egypt, and they became slaves while they were in Egypt. And so Moses comes along, goes to Pharaoh, uh, talks to Pharaoh. God intervenes with a bunch of plagues. They leave Egypt. Now they're free. And so they're a free country now, and they're wandering in the, in the wilderness, and so they don't have a place to worship, a permanent place. They're kind of like us. They kind of have to worship where someone else would allow them to worship. But they built this thing called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was like a, a big glorified tent. But the tabernacle could be picked up and taken places and moved around. It didn't have a foundation. It didn't stay in one place. It wasn't a permanent place of worship. And so they would continue to worship in the tabernacle. And, and then, now they've got, they're in the promised land. They've got their place. King David, he does a bunch of great stuff. He wins a bunch of battles. And King David it begins to feel in his heart, like, man, I want to build the temple. I want to build the temple so that God's people can worship. And so he begins to talk to the Lord about that. And God tells him, you're not the one that's going to build it, David. You did a great job getting the nation where it is, but you're a man of war, and I don't want a man of war, a man with blood on his hands to build my house. It's going to be your son. It's going to be Solomon. So now Solomon is the king. David has died. Solomon is the king. So the first thing Solomon wants to do, he wants to fulfill the dream of his father. He wants to follow God's plan and build this temple. And so the temple's being built, and you talk about activity. Now, building this temple was just tons of activity. It involved thousands of workers. It involved hundreds and hundreds and thousands of man hours. It involved supplies coming in from out of the country. It was all this stuff to get this temple built. And so in the middle of it, Solomon writes this psalm. And I believe that he was writing this psalm because he was understanding that, hey, this is a lot of activity. This is a good thing. We're building a temple. That's a good thing. But if we don't remember the purpose behind what we're doing, we're going to be unfulfilled when this thing is finished. And so he wanted to remind everybody, let's think about what our purpose is. Let's think about what the purpose of this temple is. And so follow along with me while I read Psalm 127. The whole thing, it's only five verses. And it, it says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. The first three words of that psalm, if you're taking notes, I want you to go ahead and write them down. And they're going to come up on the screen later in the, in the message. But I want you to go ahead and write them down because this is, this is the, the, where we're heading today. The first three words are this. Unless the Lord. Unless the Lord. See, we live generally, if we're not thinking about it, we tend to live for ourselves. We live for what we think is going to make us happy, what's going to fill our stomachs, what's going to uh, um, increase our bank account, what's going to you know, make us happy day to day. That's what we live for. But all of us, no matter who you are, whether you're following Jesus or whether you just came in here today to make your mom or grandma happy and you're not following Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are. All of us have one thing in common, and that is this. Our purpose is only found in the Lord. Our purpose is only found in the Lord. You may think that your purpose has something to do with 
some special way that, that you can do something that no one else can do it. And that might be part of it, but the only reason it's that is because the Lord has given you that ability. Your purpose is only found in the Lord. In verses 1 and 2 of this psalm, it's talking mostly about work and, 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 uh, and, and possessions and things like that. And then verses 3 through 5 are talking about family and children and that kind of stuff. And really that kind of encompasses most of who we are, doesn't it? When you think about your life, most of what you are has to do with either work or family. In fact, that's the way we introduce ourselves. If I meet someone that I've never met before, I tell them that I'm Cliff Marshall. I'm the pastor at Freedom Fellowship. I've been the pastor there for 10 years. I'm married to a wonderful uh, woman named Sherry, and I have two beautiful daughters. I, that's the way I introduce myself because we identify ourselves as the way we work and who our family is, and, and, what, and that's how we spend our time. And so when, when we look at this, Solomon is reminding us that, that everything about who you are, all of your life, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's your hobbies, anything, all of who you are is wrapped up in who God is because He has given you a purpose. And your purpose can only be discovered by knowing who He is and what He has for you. And so you have to know how to respond to what He's doing in your life. Look at verse 1 there where it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, building a house is a good thing. And Solomon is reminding them of that. They were building a literal temple, so they would call it the house of the Lord. So he's saying, listen, this is a good thing. Building a house, all of you here today live in something that was built by somebody. Even if you live in a tent on the side of the road, which I don't think any of you do, you had to put that up and you had to build that yourself. So all of us live in something that was built, and those things are good. And then it says in the second part is, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. That's also good once you have a house to look over it, make sure the doors are locked, make sure things are taken care of, all that kind of stuff. So these are good things. But Solomon is reminding us as we do that, even though you have a house, even though you're watching over it, you need to understand that unless the Lord is in charge of your household, unless the Lord is, is completely wrapped up in who you are and what you're doing, then all of it means nothing. That's what that, ver that word vain means. Vain means nothingness. It means uh, it amounts to nothing. So you can have the nicest house, the, the best boat, the newest cars, the nicest beach house, all of those kinds of things. And unless the Lord is in charge of that stuff, unless the Lord is guiding you, then all of it is in vain. So your purpose is found in the Lord, and your purpose is to glorify Him. That's your purpose. So you might think that you were put on this earth to do whatever it is you do. But you were really put on this earth to glorify God. Now you can do that through your job, and you should. You can do that through your family, and you should, but your purpose isn't to make more money than the guy that lives next to you. Your purpose is not to get more promotions than somebody else. Your purpose is not to, to make the highest grade of anybody uh, in, your, in your graduating class. All those things are good things, but your purpose is to glorify God with everything that you say and do and every, every thought and attitude that you have. Glorify Him and all things. And here's what happens. When we forget our purpose, that's when we get frustrated. 
That's when you have that job that you seem to love, you thought it was great, and then all of a sudden it's, it stinks and everybody's stupid and your boss is a jerk and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's because what's happened a lot of times is, is that you've forgotten your purpose. You've forgotten, what am I supposed to be doing here? And you're thinking, what are they supposed to be doing for me instead? And, and we, it's easy for us to all to forget our purpose because we want to just accomplish things. And we need to be reminded of what our true purpose is. That's why it's so important that you're here today. You know why it's important that you're here today? Not, not so that I can have somebody to talk to. I would deliver this sermon to Sherry if she was the only one here. She would probably find that very uncomfortable, but that's what I would do. But it's important that you're here today. And the reason why it's important that you're here is because you need to be reminded, and I need to be reminded, that our purpose is only in who God has created us to be, and our purpose is in glorifying Him. It's not about us. That's why it's important that you're part of a life group. Because you need to be reminded every week with a smaller group of people, hey, my purpose is to glorify God. And I can do that by sharing life with these people and encouraging someone else. And it's not all about who I am. That's why all those things are important. And we need to be reminded. Uh, this, just this past Tuesday, I, I went down to, to CSU, to Charleston Southern, where my daughter Emily uh, goes to school. And we were helping her get packed up and moved home. So she's home for the summer. We're excited about that. And, and to celebrate the end of her sophomore year, we went to cookout and got milkshakes. It was, we're, I'm a big spender. I, I paid for two milkshakes. And, uh, and so, so we pull up at the, uh, the cookout drive through window there, and uh, Emily orders, and she says, uh, I want one mocha milkshake and one peanut butter fudge milkshake. The guy at the window, he was, or at the, it, he, I didn't know he was a, a you know, person yet, he was just a box. But, but his voice, he said something I've never heard anybody say at a drive-thru before. When she said that, he didn't say, okay, uh, you want one mocha and one peanut butter fudge. He didn't repeat back the order. He didn't say, uh, you know, anything else. He said, that's great. And I thought, well, I think it's great because I love peanut butter fudge milkshakes from Cookout. But I don't understand why you're so excited. But anyway, that, that was his, he was, I guess, just excited that, hey, that's great. Two milkshakes. And so he said, that's great, and then told us the amount, which is just kind of funny. And, and would have been fine, except to, for when we got up to the window, he starts handing us the wrong order. So my thought was, in which I think I actually said to Emily, I said, you know what I should have said when he said, that's great? I should have said, what's great? Repeat it back to me. Tell me what's great. Because he thought it was great. But he didn't understand what was great. He got confused about that. And listen, that's the way we are when it comes to, to our lives. We do all this stuff. We build houses and we make money and we, we get scholarships for school and we graduate and we get promotions and we get cars. And all that stuff, that is great stuff. That's good stuff. I love all that stuff. I'm glad that God lets us experience it. But if we just get that stuff and we're just saying, hey, that's great, that's great, that's great, and we don't remember what it's about, then we're going to find out that, that we're missing the point. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves and have people ask us, what's great? What's great about the fact that you have that job? Is it just so that you can get paid? No, what's great about the fact that you have that job is that God has placed you strategically somewhere where you can show the goodness and grace of God to the people you work with. You can glorify Him through what you do. Hey, that's great that you got that car. Awesome. Is it just because it's really new and shiny and, and goes super fast? I mean, I like those things. But no, the reason that's great is because God has given you that car to glorify Him through the way you use that car. It's great that you got a scholarship and you graduated. Okay, is that just so that you can go to school? 
No, it's because so you can glorify Him through that. See, we need to be reminded of our purpose. And when you spend time with other believers, when you spend time in God's Word, then you can be reminded of those things. Now, the, the second part of this psalm is all about children. And I think it's important that we talk about purpose when we talk about children. Because if there's any area of our lives where we can get confused about purpose, it's in the area of children. And, uh, and so, so let's look at this together. Look at Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Let me read this, this part. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. By the way, I think it's awesome that he says fruit of the womb right there. Um, not because it rhymes with fruit of the loom. That's kind of funny too. I just thought about that as I said it. But wouldn't it be awesome if you, re- if you referred to your kids, like mothers today, if you, you know, talk to your friends, hey, it was such a good day. The, my fruit of the womb came to see me. You know, or if you just started calling your kids that. This is my oldest fruit of the womb right here. Came out of my womb and it's fruit. Isn't it awesome? And he has accomplished so much. But, but remember, Psalms is all poetic, poetic language, that kind of stuff. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, those of you that have kids, children are awesome, aren't they? I mean, they, they bring a lot to our lives. And, and in fact, uh, just, just last Sunday, um, I found out that a couple in our church uh, is expecting their first child, and I was so excited for them. I, was as, I don't know if I was as excited as I was when I found out we were having babies, but I was really excited. Because there's, there really is nothing more exciting in life than finding out you're going to have a baby and then when that baby's born. It's just, it just kind of trumps everything else. It's better than any ball game or concert or, or new job or new house. It's just better than all that stuff. And so children are awesome. They're great. And, and because, and, and, and Solomon talks about that in this, this, uh, this psalm when he calls children a reward. And when he says that blessed is the man who has children. And because children are so great and they do add so much to our lives, it's very easy for us to get confused about the purpose of children. In fact, I was, I was reading when I was preparing for this message. I just went online and I was reading what other people had written about Psalm 127. And I found a pastor, and he's not a, I don't even know, it's not a famous pastor, so I'm not cracking on some guy that, you know, you listen to on a podcast. I don't know who this guy was, but I found something this pastor had written about children, and I put, you're going to see it on the screen. It says this, this is what he said, God gives us children for joy, laughter, and happiness. That's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't that a beautiful idea? It's so neat to think about that, except for the fact that that is a bunch of baloney. And I feel even stronger than it being baloney, but my mother is here today, so I'm not going to say the word that y'all have heard me say from this stage before about what that really is. That's baloney. That's what that is. If if that's why you have kids, if if that's really what you believe, that the purpose of my child is to bring me joy, to bring me laughter, to bring me happiness, first of all, you're going to be really disappointed. Because sometimes they bring you heartache and cuss words and other things. They, they bring you stuff other than laughter, joy, and happiness. And not only are you going to be disappointed, what a terrible 
thing to put on this child. Okay, you came into the world. You don't really have a lot of responsibility except all my happiness is wrapped up in you. There are counselors across this country making thousands of dollars a year talking to people whose parents raised them with this idea, who's raised them to say, my happiness, my joy, my laughter depends on you. And now those kids are in counseling because their parents screwed up their heads because that's a terrible idea. But I think sometimes when we first read that, we think, man, isn't that great? Yes, kids are wonderful. Listen, that, that is not what the purpose of kids are. Solomon tells us what the purpose of kids are. He tells us right here, he says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. A heritage. A heritage means that there's responsibility involved in that. See, our purpose is not for, the purpose of kids is not to make us happy, to make us joyful, to make us laugh. The purpose of kids is that we have an opportunity to glorify God through that relationship by teaching them everything we know about the Lord. By teaching them everything we've learned from years of following Jesus, we take that and we put that into their lives. And then what do they do? They then take that and put that into their children's lives. We're talking about huge responsibility here. And we're talking about not them being here to make us happy, but they are here so that we can teach them about who Jesus is. Now, there's a bunch of ways I could go with that. One of those that I won't spend a lot of time on is if you've got to know about who Jesus is to be able to teach somebody else, first of all. So, so some of you need to think a little bit about that. If, if what you know about Jesus would only fill a tablespoon, then you're not really creating a heritage for the Lord, and you're going to miss out on what the purpose of those children in your life is. And, and see, what happens when, when we get that mixed up, when we start to believe that, that kids are here to make us happy, then, then what we don't want to do is we don't want to correct them. We don't want to discipline them. Um, there was an article in the Greenville News just a couple weeks ago, and it was a book review by a parenting book written by some parenting expert. And uh, guess what the novel idea that this parenting expert had? I mean, it's just mind-blowing. never heard this before. It was that it's good to tell your children no. Isn't that crazy that we're writing books now where someone has to tell us, hey, tell your kids no. But we have to hear that. Because when we believe these kids are here to make me happy, these kids are here to fill my house with laughter, if that's what you believe, you don't want to tell that child no. Because when you tell them no, guess what? They're not happy. And there's no laughter going on anymore. And then you're not joyful because you're angry that you had to tell them no because why would they even ask you if they could do that? That was a stupid thing to ask. And why would you, and you made me tell you no, and that's the way all that happens, right? But if we need to understand that our purpose, just like our purpose for our jobs, our purpose for our homes, our purpose for everything we are, our purpose for our children is completely wrapped up in the Lord and what He wants for their lives and how He wants us to live, be a living example, to teach them the truth of who God is and to live that out every single day. See, Paul, Paul wrote about that in Ephesians 6, 4. He said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's talking about leaving a heritage, disciplining your children, making sure that they're doing what they should do, that they're not doing things they shouldn't do, and then teaching them about who God is. Proverbs 19.18 says this, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. And that's crazy, isn't it, to think about? That the proverb there says that, that if when you refuse to discipline your kids, it's almost like you're saying, I don't care if you live or die. 
Now, none of us would ever say that. But when you refuse to discipline your kids, when you refuse to try to teach them about who God is, then that's the path that you're setting them on. See, the purpose for for who our kids are and, and the way we're supposed to parent them can only be found in the Lord. It cannot be about us being happy all the time. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about it in terms of food. Uh, stay with me here a minute. Uh, what is the purpose of food? Now, th- think about it. What is the purpose of food? T- go ahead and tell the person next to you what the purpose, the purpose of food. What's the purpose of food? Tell the person next to you. All right. Now, your answer should have been something along the lines of to give us energy and sustain our strength to keep us alive, right? That's, that's the purpose of food. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I cannot tell you the last time I sat down to eat a meal where I thought, man, this is really sustaining my energy and keeping me alive. I don't think about the purpose of food when I'm eating food. You know what I think about? This is going to make me happy. I cannot wait to eat seven plates of this because this, I really love it. It's going to make me happy. Um, I remember... Uh, about two years ago, I ate at Ryan's for the last time. I will never go back. Uh, if you invite me to Ryan's, I will politely decline. And here's why. It's nothing to do with Ryan's. It's to do with me. Uh, when I go into Ryan's, I would, on one plate, I would have fried chicken, ham, roast beef, fried fish, macaroni and cheese. Uh, that's just on the first plate. Those, all those things should never be on one plate. That the, uh, One plate should never contain all of those things at one time. But I would pile all that up and I would eat it. And then, you know what I would do? I would finish it off with some saucer of ice cream and then a piece of cake and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. You know, Ryan's used to have on their sign, they had, what'd you get? Did you ever saw that? The answer to that is fat. What'd you get at Ryan's? Fat. What'd you get? High cholesterol. What'd you get? Digestive distress. That's what I got at Ryan's. And so every time I would eat at Ryan's, that would happen. And so I've quit eating at Ryan's, and here's why. It has nothing to do with Ryan's, but the reason I quit eating at Ryan's is because when I would go in there, I wouldn't be thinking at all about what the purpose of food is. I'd be thinking about, I just need some of this to bring satisfaction to my life, to bring joy to my life. I'm enjoying eating as much of this, and just like I said before, I enjoyed it right up until the moment I didn't, which was usually when I got in the car and I sat down and I realized I had to unbutton my top button on my pants because I felt so bad. And see, what happens when we raise our kids, when we raise our kids and and we don't think about what the purpose of these kids are, and we think, these kids are here to make me happy. You know what we don't do? We don't discipline them. I had no discipline when I sat down at Ryan's. There was no discipline at all because I was thinking about just filling my belly. And when we think about these kids are just here to make me happy, then we don't discipline them. We don't, we don't make it a priority to teach them the things of the Lord. If they want to stay home from church, we let them lay in bed and we go on without them. We, we do all that kind of stuff. Why? Because there's no joy in discipline. There's no laughter in discipline. There's not a lot of happiness in discipline. At least, at least not at first. There's a lot of happiness and joy later. But if you're considering what's happening at the moment, you'll never discipline those kids. You'll do them like I did at Ryan's and just whatever happens, happens. And then you'll feel terrible later on. See, when we raise our kids because we want them to give us joy, laughter, and happiness, then what we get stuck doing is then we try to be their friends. And I'm going to just tell you, your kids don't need another friend. Your kids have plenty of friends. Your kids need 
a parent. Your kids need a mom that says, uh, you're not walking out of the house wearing that. Your kids need a dad that says, um, no, you're going to be home at this time. I don't care what else all of your friends are doing. That's what your kids need. But when we are worried about making them happy, we don't like to do that. Unless the Lord. Unless the Lord. Those three words, we need to put those three words at the front of everything that we do. Unless the Lord is going to be involved in what I do at work today, it's going to be vain and nothing. Unless the Lord goes before me at school today, then what I'm working for is going to amount to nothing. Unless the Lord is involved in this marriage, then we don't stand a chance. Unless the Lord is part of me raising my children, then they're going to have all kinds of problems. Unless the Lord. See, we really need to just ask ourselves with everything that we do when we talk about this idea of purpose. Before we do anything, we need just to ask ourselves, is this for the Lord or is this for me? Is this for the Lord or for me? Am I taking this job because I believe it's, it's the way, the next best step for me to be able to glorify God in my life? Am I taking it for me? Am, am I moving to this neighborhood because I believe it's the next best step for me to glorify God in my life? Or am I doing it just for me? Am I bought, purchasing this? Am I drinking that? Am I eating this? Am I wearing this? Am I going to that place? Am I not going to that place? Whatever it is, because I believe that it's the next best thing for me to be able to glorify God in my life. Am I doing it just because I think it's going to make me happy in the moment? See, when we do things for the Lord, then that gives us purpose. And then we can accomplish more. When we do things for ourselves, then we're going to find out that it's vain, it's nothingness, and it's going to leave us empty. As we finish up with that, the final word of those three words is the most important. Unless the Lord. See, that word, we say it so many times. We read it in Scripture so often that I think we don't really keep in mind what it actually means. Did you know that that was a word in Hebrew that they would not say? They wouldn't say it. They would write it down but they would, they would not say it because they had such respect for the power of God that they believed that if they said it, they would be struck dead. And so we tend to think about, well, I just follow God when I want to. I'll take this part of the Bible and believe it. I'll throw this other part out. I'll show up at, and, and, and serve God every now and then. I'll go to worship when it suits me. I'll do this. I'll do that. And we don't really consider the fact that the word that we're talking about there is Lord. And Lord means boss. Lord means king. It doesn't say unless the Savior. See, sometimes I think we like Jesus as Savior because Jesus as Savior means we get to screw up and do a bunch of stupid stuff and he comes and he pulls us out of it and Jesus is our Savior. But Jesus is also our Lord. He's Savior and Lord. And once he pulls us out of that, what we're supposed to do from then on is do only what he has commanded us to do and only follow his path and don't stray from it. Don't stray from it to try to make our kids happy. Don't stray from it to try to fit in with somebody else. Don't stray from it to try to make more money. Don't stray from it. Unless the Lord. So I want to ask you today as we finish up,
when you think about your life, whether it's the way you're raising your kids, whether it's the way that you're treating your husband or your wife, whether it's the way you, what you do and say and think and attitude you have at work, is that happen to do with what the Lord wants or does it have to do with what you want? Your purpose is only found in Him. and You can give your life to Him today. I'm going to say a prayer. And as I pray, the band's going to come up and we're going to sing a, a closing song. And if you need to talk with somebody today about this business of, I don't know who I'm living my life for. Am I living it for the Lord or am I living it for myself? And maybe you need to confess that and it's okay. That, that's a good place to start. The place to start is to realize that you have been living for yourself to give it back to him. You can come down here and pray as we sing the final song. Or you can talk to me or Donnie after the service. We'll be down front here. And uh, we want to share with you about how you can be sure that everything in your life is being directed by him and for him. Let's pray. Father God, I'm thankful that Solomon understood so many years ago that having things and accomplishing a lot and being successful in the eyes of everyone else wasn't enough. But he understood that it's about following you and glorifying you in everything we do. We all need to be reminded of that, me most of all. We all tend to stray from that path. I pray today as we looked at this word together from Psalm 127 that you would bring conviction on the hearts of those that need to be convicted. That you would speak directly to us about who we are and what you would have us to do next. And help us to know that we can come to you. That you are our Savior and you're also our Lord that we need to follow you and only you for the rest of our lives. Speak to us now as we finish this service and continue to work in our hearts as we leave. Amen.